Hello and welcome to today's discussion on how to avoid bankruptcy. You've likely seen and heard all sorts of ideas on this, uh, probably from the internet. Today's discussion though is gonna go into what you can really do as a business owner when you're almost at the brink of having to file. What can you do to avoid it? What can you do to try to work on things so that if inevitably you have to go into bankruptcy, you do it as well as possible. But overall today, we're gonna to talk about how can you possibly avoid this? Many good ways to look at this. One other thing you should think about is if you look on Google, it'll kindly tell you it's only $1,500 to $4,000 to file for bankruptcy. As our guests today will tell you, there's a lot more to this. It's a lot more expensive, and that includes how it can tax you as both an individual and as a business owner who needs to focus on your business more than ever to keep it alive rather than spend all that time in court. So I'm very pleased to, to talk today with three experts on this. The first is Pat Brennan, who has spent several years as an executive and as a consultant at Platinum Group, specializing in turnaround situations. Our other two specialists are, are, are experts, I should say, are Cameron Lallier from Foley and Mansfield and his brother, Tom Lallier from Foley and Mansfield. Each of those individuals has spent numerous years working on situations to help companies avoid bankruptcy and also help companies once they have gone into bankruptcy. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, getting together today and talking about this very important subject. My pleasure. I wanted to first start out with Pat. Uh, Pat, you've seen this from multiple viewpoints over the years. Um, you know, when you think back, what are one or two top things that people should, should do or shouldn't do uh, when it comes to being in that situation where bankruptcy is, is right in front of them and they're thinking, I'm going to have to file? You know, um, transparency is really important. Um, when you get to the edge, there's no reason to withhold information. Um, be, be strategic about, about what you tell folks, but there's no reason to withhold information. I wouldn't give them the list of creditors, but, um, you know, I would, I would share financial information. Um, I've, been in, I've been in situations where um, that wasn't done. Um, one of the, one of the, and this is a situation where I met Foley in Mansfield. I was um, uh, stopped in the hallway. I was serving as CFO for a, for a, a large regional company. And um, I was asked to comment on the involuntary bankruptcy petition that was filed. And it was the Star Tribune, Minneapolis Star Tribune on the phone. And I was totally taken by surprise. The leadership of the company wasn't transparent with creditors. And three creditors got together, which is really uncommon. Um, they got together and put the company into a bankruptcy. Very costly, um, and it's, it's uh, just totally a mess. If you're going into a bankruptcy, you do it on a planned basis. Don't, and, and if three creditors put you in, it just is, it sets the wrong, the wrong stage. Uh, and sometimes, and this is a, a question for everybody, I often seem to hear people who just think that they can flip the switch and just file and then deal with their creditors uh, and deal with the, the aftermath of, hey, now I'm protected, I'm in bankruptcy. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, and are there some things people should think about before they do that? I, I think I echo Pat's comments on transparency in the first place. 
you have to let creditors know where you are. My practice has been primarily representing asset-based lenders uh, in troubled situations. And I can tell you that uh, invariably, if the company sticks its head in the sand and uh, fails to recognize the problems that it's faced, that the company is facing, it's not going to work. You can't just because you file, you, you file bankruptcy uh, have uh, all of your problems solved. In fact, it presents a whole new uh, set of problems that you, you have to deal with. So uh, the, the planning uh, of a Chapter 11 is very important, but before you get there, you have to have a business plan. You have to take a very hard look at your business what is working, what is not, and make a lot of hard choices. I encourage anyone that's gonna contemplate a workout situation to contact someone like the Platinum Group to act as a go-between between their creditors, whether it's the lenders or their trade creditors or the if there's a shareholder dispute, to try to figure out what makes sense for the company uh, until you have that plan uh, chapter 11 isn't going to fix it. And Tom, Tom, that's really, Tom, that's really a good point. You have to have a plan one way or the other. Um, but if you, if you do um, um, identify that, that path where you've got a, a plan, you need to uh, understand the timing of a filing and how it is. And this is where, this is where Foley and Mansfield excels. Um, they're business people as well. We've been in a number of cases together and they understand they can, they can step into a business and step into a business owner's shoes and understand the financial side of it and understand the timing, the impact on customers, the impact on creditors. Um, there's, a, there's a real sensitivity one has to have so that you don't impact the business because the business is going to operate the day after a filing and it's got to, it's got to operate effectively. If it doesn't, you're not going to make it through. Yeah. And how do you talk with these folks? Um, how do you actually broach the subject with your, your creditors uh, and others saying we need to work something out? Cam? Yeah, um, I, I've only had the privilege of doing it one time, uh, personally, and uh, we were very honest and open about it. We tried to do a non-bankruptcy workout. We ended up actually having to file that bankruptcy, as we might get into a little bit later. Um, but, but again, it, it, it's it's strategically, uh, and we had engaged in this particular case, uh, Platinum Services as well before the filing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe about six months before the filing, we were talking about what is the plan, uh, what does it look like, and how do we present it to the creditors. Uh, when we got to that point, uh, we basically set up a conference room and had every decision maker in on both sides and sat down around the conference table and started going through, look, here's the issues and we can work them out uh, outside of bankruptcy. And we had a plan and we proposed a plan. 
Um, they ultimately didn't like our plan and, and we've been fighting about it ever since. But circling back to the first question as well, it, it all comes back to communications. And I guess I'll tie the first and second questions together, Dale. Um, it, it, you can't just flip the switch. Um, you can under the code, you can file an emergency petition. Uh, and I tell every client I've ever sat down with, uh, you never want to file an emergency petition. It's, it, it doesn't work because you haven't had these conversations with your lenders. So you're going to spend the first couple months of the case fighting about things that you could have resolved. And it's a lot more expensive for everyone to fight about them in the bankruptcy than work them out before the bankruptcy if you get there. Um, but two, if you flip that switch and file that emergency petition, there's only a handful of pages that need to be filed. Your next two weeks, which is the window to complete your bankruptcy filing, is going to be completely uh, consumed by preparing the bankruptcy case. And you can't devote every ounce of your time to preparing what you should have planned to prepare and successfully operate your business. Um, every every uh, CFO or COO or uh, CRO that I've worked with uh, has said, even in a planned bankruptcy, it's like having two jobs. You have the business to run and you have to be the bankruptcy guy. Um, and, and that's when you're prepared and planned out to do it. Uh, if you're not there, uh, there's just, the bankruptcy is basically set up to fail at that point. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think that there's a couple of things. With the lender groups that you have, you basically have your uh, lenders that have equipment or real estate and lenders that have operating lines and revolving lines of credit. Obviously, the creditor that has the revolving line of credit uh, is the one you have to probably talk to the most and first about what's going forward and have that plan uh, in place uh, with them so they know what's going on. You have to have a good feel for what the valuation of your hard assets are, real estate, equipment, those kind of things. Um, once you have that, you can go talk reasonably well to these to these lenders they understand it they get that it's probably better outside of a bankruptcy and that they will get a better return outside of a bankruptcy than force you in and there there are cases where lenders are just not going to do that and you have to use the bankruptcy alternative but you can do a lot beforehand uh to to set those up with respect to your trade groups they're big people. They understand. Most of them have been through a Chapter 11. Uh, unfortunately, Chapter 11s are generally not a very uh, large return to general unsecured creditors. Uh, if you get a 25% return, a creditor is usually uh, on the, the high end. So uh, by communicating to them as a group, saying, this is where we're at, we need certain terms. We are trying, you know, we're trying to avoid bankruptcy. I think you get more cooperation out of your trade. Yep. And, you know, that brings up a good point too. And that is who do you communicate about 
this um, in what sequence? Because we just talked about who you have obligations with. But at what point do you bring in your, your most important clients and your key employees you don't want to lose and any other very important constituents? When do you bring those folks in to maintain that transparency and also get their buy-in? Well, one other group I would add is your employees. Uh, they need to know what's going on. Uh, I found that uh, you get very loyal employees that want to make a business work if they know what's going on. If they don't, you're going to have attrition. But I think, uh, as I said, the, the, the first group is your group of lenders because they have the most immediate effect on taking back collateral, restricting cash uh, flow, those kind of things. I think next it is your trade, your customers, perhaps right along that, and then employees. Again, it gets back to having that plan in place going forward. And investors, when do you, uh, you know, if you have equity investors, when's best to bring them in? My feeling is that that's probably at the tail end of this. Uh, I think you let them know that you're talking to your various constituencies, but they're at the bottom of the return, even though they have some of the most control over who officers are, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, letting them know we're in a troubled situation, we're talking to our lenders, and then keeping them informed as, as it goes along. Okay. And Pat, I wanted to circle back to you. You know, we're talking about a lot of things um, about actually going into bankruptcy. What about when you look at companies that are in a turnaround situation or, or potential? Maybe the owner thinks I'm gonna have to file or maybe they don't realize how close they are to potentially filing. What are a few things that they need to do uh, in terms of looking at their business and figuring out how to go forward without having to file? You know, there's, there's a, a set of analytics that we do, um, putting together a 13-week cash flow, in essence, a quarter, um, and, and, and preparing that so that it rolls forward. And you can, you can drop off a week and add a week, but keep it in, in, in a perpetual state and really answer, answer the tough question. Is, there, is, it, is it realistic that you're going to have enough cash flow to be able to make it? Um, uh, understanding where your break even is, how much you have to sell, and the two, the 13 week and the break even go together. If you've got a good CFO, you've got a good controller, we can, we can set those things up so that, so that they, can, they can pick them up and continue using them. Um, understand, Tom mentioned, uh, understanding where you would um, fall in a liquidation. Now, I think every business should, should do a liquidation analysis, you know, if not quarterly, annually. Even if they're profitable, understand what the, uh, what the residual would be to you, the owner, if in, in, if in fact you went through an orderly liquidation. What would it look like? What would you walk away from? You know, um, and, uh, or walk away with. I think that is really, really important um, and the, the liquidation analysis, and, and again, um, Tom, Tom laid this out, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. It's the, the senior secured creditor who's going to get the first dollar out by virtue of their, their, their position. Um, 
the, the junior creditors, those that have specific pledges against equipment would be excluded. They'd get their, they'd have their security from that. And then all the other unsecured creditors. And then you as an equity holder, um, gets what's left. So that's really important to do that. Um, um, communication, and we've touched on it, is really, really important. And, and again, Tom, Tom mentioned that, that you, you want to go and talk to all these different, different factions within your, within your, your company, internal, external. Um, I find that when a company gets to this point where they need to do a, a, a formal or an informal turnaround, pretty much everybody already knows. It's not a surprise. Um, there's a communication uh, going on within the company. Somebody is talking to creditors. Somebody is talking to the bank. Somebody is talking to the customers, you know, because there's a late delivery because they can't get materials. All that communication is going on. And one of the things that we do is we step in and manage that communication so that a consistent, accurate, um, uh, truthful message is being delivered to everyone. Transparency is really key. Cam, you know, we talked a while back about this subject and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about all these things that make sense, you know, Monday morning quarterback, and it's easy for us to look at this on the outside, but oftentimes it seems like the CEOs or the owners of these businesses wait too long or they just have this resistance to even reaching out to a platinum group or to your law firm. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on why that is the case? And are there any things that owners can, can think about right now in terms of you know, how to recognize that maybe they need to talk sooner than they're aware? Sure. Um, to the first question, I think a lot of times it, it comes down to pride or embarrassment. I mean, these, this is the business that these people built. Uh, they've put a lot into it and it's hard for anyone to admit that, uh, that they're either failing or at least coming up short of their goals and, and what they had aspired to accomplish. Um, so it, it is difficult to do I, how to get them to recognize or what they can recognize to, to see, Hey, maybe I need help. Maybe I should talk to someone about this. Um, I don't know that I have a great answer for that question. Um, I, I think uh, what, what I'd say, and, and maybe we're going into this later, is I, I think in this particular economic climate, which is unique to say the least, um, I think it's important to, if I was talking to one of those people, uh, those owners, uh, CEOs, I would be saying, look, your lenders, the company next door, your competitors are having these same issues, uh, having these same problems. And the ones who are going to uh, come out of this the best are those who have the wherewithal to have those tough conversations, to, to admit, okay, things aren't going the way I wanted them to right now, but what can I do? And, and sitting down and having a conversation with the Platinum Group or, or with a trusted advisor uh, is the first step in that. Um, and then, like I said, uh, you go from there. Every case is unique. Uh, some problems might require bankruptcy. Most of them won't uh, or hopefully won't. Um, and and you 
I, I guess it's like pulling off a bandaid. You just have to have that first conversation to talk to someone you trust, get the process rolling uh, and, and understand that, uh, I guess this is a little bit off topic um, in that I have represented individual debtors uh, as opposed to business debtors. Um, but all, almost unanimously across the board, those debtors feel a great sense of embarrassment uh, and what I found helpful in talking to them about that issue is, look, many of your creditors, many of the banks who are, you're feeling like you're, you're short changing if, if you pull the plug on this, they would jump at the opportunity to cut a, a bad deal or, or to get out from under something. They, it, they're business people at the end of the day and they're making business decisions. And, and that's what you have to remember it is. There's no personal uh, moral aspect to this. It's, it's business and, and business people, your banks, your lenders, uh, most of your trade creditors understand that. I think Tom hit on that point earlier. Uh, so it is difficult, but uh, it, it has to happen. Yeah, I got to take the plunge. Um, you know, before you do that, uh, what are the things that somebody can look at uh, in terms of uh, finding ways to stay alive financially? A lot of times we talk about trying to renegotiate leases and um, do other things that, you know, defer payments, uh, things of that nature. But, you know, what about uh, finding ways to do asset-backed lending, factoring, um, trying to work out new relationships with uh, your vendors where maybe they provide some assistance? What are some creative things that people can do, uh, sometimes do, but a lot of people may not be aware of them? I think that the first thing you have to do is make the hard choices. Most businesses that are successful in a workout make those hard choices. That means you've got a product line that's not working very well. It's break even at best. It's taking up time. Do you really need to be in that, that particular product line? Is there equipment that you could otherwise liquidate? You may not be able to pay off the creditor in full, but they'd rather have whatever they're going to get in an orderly fashion than uh, uh, in a pre-fall bankruptcy situation. Um, so making those hard choices, making uh, choices that are going to save the business are essential, whether you are doing a workout for a bankruptcy or hopefully doing a workout that you stay out of a bankruptcy in. Um, once you've, you've done that, once you've identified those areas, you can start doing things that make more sense. Um, and it may be that you end up liquidating. I remember uh, this was in the early 90s. We had a company that was the premier uh, maker of, you remember the old green screens on, on computers for the U.S. government? They're, they're in all kinds of military operations and stuff. The technology had just moved past. Now they still had lots of equipment that can be put into other things, but they, they recognized this is a failing business and an orderly liquidation is the best process. Hopefully that's not where you're going to get, but getting skinnier is usually the best thing to saving a business. 
you have to make those hard cuts. Pat, do you have any uh, thoughts to add to that? I think it, it you know, again, it, it goes back to, uh, to the communication and the information that you share. If you show everyone that they're gonna be better off doing things informally and they trust you, um, I think that, that that's really, um, it depends, it, it, can, it can be the best route. There may be situations where you have a creditor who is just not gonna work with you um, and you have to go in. Now, the planning beforehand is really key. And um, when I think of this, I think of, I think of the, kind of the marriage between legal and the financial advisory. Um, sit down with both. And understand the paths, the paths that you, um, that you that are that lie before you, what the time is going to be, the time commitment and the cost, um, and and there are situations where yes, you you just you just have to go in, you have to put it in. Um, confidentiality. I don't want to I don't want to go too deep, but you know we're in a case um, where. Um, that was necessary, so. Yeah, and I know it's uh, sometimes uh, you can come across companies that are sitting on things too, thinking that they need to hold on to them. Tom, you were talking about equipment that may not be useful anymore. Sometimes they have inventory of uh, parts to provide to people. Um, and I know one time there was a company that was sitting on, I don't know, it was like 15 to 20 years worth of inventory. And um, it both was messy. Yeah, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> of their books. And it also was something that, you know, could they uh, get rid of it and, and create some, reduce their, their space needs and also uh, bring in a little cash up front. And Pat, do you find those situations uh, frequently where people don't realize that there are some things like that? Or have they pretty much figured uh, that out? They've looked at everything by the time they come to Platinum Group. Well, we, we bring a different perspective and, and uh, you know, it, 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 it usually overcomes the cost objection. You know, it, 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 is, it is really important to get that fresh perspective. Oftentimes it will, it will pay off. Um, and we didn't address it here, but the cost of doing this, the cost of bringing in professionals, um, there's really a high cost to not doing it. You're putting your business on the line and you're, when you hire uh, a law firm, when you hire Foley and you hire Platinum, you hire two seasoned experienced guides. And that's what we do. We'll guide you through the rough terrain and get you to the end so that you have a business that's, that's, that, that's vibrant. And that really, that's our goal. And um, we've done it a few times. We've done it a few times together and it's, it's, uh, it's quite a journey, but we're really good guides. Plus, you've done it many, many more than just a few times. <laughs> I used to have hair. Pat and I have. And by the way, Cameron is my nephew, not my brother. Oh. I'd like to be my brother, <laughs> but I, I'm way older than that. Um, you asked about uh, what creative things you can do. I think you have to look at the various categories of, of your uh, constituency, the creditors out there. If you have, uh, I'm, I'm currently uh, with this pandemic representing a large retail uh, chain throughout the country. 
uh, I spent the last six months renegotiating leases. The landlords understand that they they need to have stores open. They have been very willing to to work with us uh, to make that happen. Uh, that that's one category. Uh, equipment lenders are another. So I think you have to go to your your various asset groups and try to figure out what you have. If you've got a business that's got a lot of equipment debt but doesn't have any receivable financing, a good source of cash is going out and there's gonna be a cost to it of getting that receivable financing in place. There may be some inventory financing that you can do in order to get you over that, that hump. Those are all available and those are the things that we do every day so we have the contacts in the industry Maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but at least you will know your options. You also need to know what happens when you go into a bankruptcy. What is the likely outcome for your creditor groups if you go into a bankruptcy? So you can say, this is what we're trying to avoid. This is better. Work with us with this plan. It, hopefully it will work and you'll get a better return. No guarantees in this business, but it's get, usually getting over the hump and making the hard choices. And on the other end, a longer term payout. Is that something that is fairly common then for people to actually put together that scenario to say, hey, you know, here's what we would be uh, able to provide you and here's how we could work with you if we go into bankruptcy. Instead, here's what we're trying to do outside of it. My feeling is that the creditor group Certainly lenders are sophisticated enough to know that, okay? And by having that liquidation analysis that Pat talked about, you know, you can say, this is what we, we think in liquidation you get bank. You know, if they think that their assets worth way more than that or, or perhaps way less than that, uh, that's where the pre-bankruptcy meetings help. And Pat, you mentioned a while back something about waterfalls uh, when it comes to discussing these kinds of matters with uh, different constituents. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and how that can be helpful? Well, that's another name for the liquidation analysis. Okay. And that is, that's really a ranking of, again, all the assets and liabilities that the, that the uh, company has um, and uh, a, presumed, a presumed capture of, uh, of uh, funds, and then the disbursement of them. Liquidation analysis, same thing. Um, I like to soften it a little bit more. It doesn't have to be liquidation. Um, so that's we, call it, we call it other things, but that's in essence. Okay. I think it was also in, when you share different parts of that with different people too. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to have that word choice. Wondering, you know, are there any questions you would like to ask among yourselves or any questions that we should have asked that we haven't touched on right now? You know, the, the times we're, that we're facing um, are, are really uncertain and it, different industries are gonna be impacted in different ways. Um, and I'm, I'm curious um, as to uh, Tom and, and Cam, what, you, what you're seeing, um, are, there, are there more folks coming to your door um, starting this kind of planning? 
um, or has the PPP helped us, you know, push that push that day of reckoning down the road a little bit? Sure, I'll go first. Um, in my experience, I think we're going to kind of see uh, a, a dual peak. I guess is how I've been describing it when I've been asked the question. Uh, initially, we saw a big uptick in cases. Um, a lot of the major retailers, for example, uh, went in right away in the spring and filed, uh, I like to call them preemptive chapter 11s or affirmative chapter 11s in that they saw an opportunity or, or an issue uh, having huge cash flow uh, uh, changes um, and, and the need to address things on a global basis for them spread out all over the country or worldwide. Um, and so they filed early in the process to affirmatively get in there, get everything centralized in a single location, single court, and get these issues resolved. That course, it's not that major retailers aren't still filing, um, but they're not filing at the same clip that they were in April and May. Um, that, and those cases have hit kind of a plateau stage. There's still things going on. But I think a lot of the others, those who were, were or are on the fence on that, do I need to file? Do I need to engage someone involved? Uh, I do think government contributions, the PPP program uh, and other relief under the CARES Act, et cetera, um, did kind of stave off that second peak. So we didn't have everyone filing at once, but those things are starting to uh, run their course now. Uh, and we're getting into PPP forgiveness issues, things like that. So I'm just starting to see that kind of mid-level market uh, and others now going, okay, we've, we've weathered what we've weathered. We got this PPP loan, but now what do we do? There's not another PPP loan out there for us. Um, and so that's just starting to tick up at this point. I, I guess I agree with it. I, I think that uh, I've seen the, the J.C. Penney's and the uh, Neiman Marcus. I've been involved in both those cases for various constituencies. Uh, they de did it as a preemptive strike. Uh, they knew it was going to be a problem. Uh, I, we have been working a lot in the retail industry. Uh, I think the PPP did prop things up for the summer. Um, and unfortunately, it, it was the businesses like the small restaurants, uh, uh, the one or two restaurant chain, not the, the, the 500 restaurant chains where they can cut off, you know, 200 restaurants and still have a viable business that have simply been closing their doors and walking away. So we haven't seen that yet. I have not seen the banks pushing because they got enough of the PPP to kind of get past that. Uh, I think what we're going to see is manufacturing. Manufacturing dropped off quite a bit in the summer, but slowly has come back in the last quarter, uh, but it hasn't come back all the way. And I think you will start seeing some cash flow issues at the manufacturing level in the mid-sized companies uh, in the next quarter and then into uh, the uh, early 2021. I think that's where it's going to be uh, you're not going to be able to rehire everybody that you had laid off. Uh, you're going to have to de determine what equipment, what lines are available and, and are profitable. Uh, 
And then finally, I think what you're going to see in towards the end of the year, probably first part of this year or next year, is a is a real tick up, which we haven't seen in consumer filings. It's going to happen at some point once those consumers start going in. That also impacts manufacturing and in, in, in uh, on a countrywide basis. Uh, be interesting to see what happens with the with the trades and, and construction. So, you know, the, the, the handwriting is always on the wall in these things, and the government certainly can help things. Uh, but you should be taking a look at it at, at your operations and seeing what's going on now. Uh, anybody? Any other questions for anybody else? Okay, well then I have one, one last question. And uh, after this question, I'll be asking each of you for closing remarks. Um, and this question uh, comes to Cam. Uh, Cam, you know, when it comes to having the, these conversations we've been talking uh, about and being transparent with lenders, um, how do you, you know, what do you think of in terms of how does that conversation look like? And how do you not create a false alarm by providing too much information when you're not at, you're not filing, but you need to have the conversation, but you don't want to create a panic. So how do you deal with that? Sure. Uh, and it kind of circles everything back together. Um, I, I think it's a preparedness thing. You need to understand the situation fully. Uh, and, and really have a firm grasp on uh, what your financial situation is, where the issues are, et cetera. And then with that information in hand, uh, you work with your advisors. Uh, I think that's the way to go, be it a Foley or be it a Platinum, to talk about, okay, to, to, to develop a plan for presenting your plan. Um, what is it that they need to know? Uh, and what is it that we maybe don't want to tell them at this point, not that we're going to hide things, not that, but, but is that just uh, unnecessary at this juncture? And so uh, I think you have to have that internal conversation with your team to figure out, um, but it, it all comes back to being prepared. You have to have a very good grasp and very good information. Um, even, even down to the, how do I present this level of, you know, I know this number and I know this number and those are the ones I want to share with them, but how can I present it physically in a way that's easy enough for them to understand? Because that's the issue at the end of the day. It's making your, whichever group you're talking to, be it your lender, be it your trade vendors, uh, be it your employees, how can I make them understand the situation easily and effectively because most people's fear or panic button, as you said, a false alarm situation is, uh, comes from a lack of understanding or, or the fear associated therewith. So um, I think you develop that plan, get the financial plan in place, and then you plan, sit down with Patton. Uh, I've worked a lot with Rod Peterson and Ron Leaf as well. Great at getting those reports 
put together. I, I always call it de-lawyering them. I, I put together a spreadsheet that makes perfect sense to me. And then I send it to, to Pat or, or, or someone else at Platinum and say, okay, now make it look like a lawyer didn't prepare this. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's uh, the way you go about it. Okay. Uh, closing comments. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. I think that we're facing some uh, absolutely unprecedented times right now. Uh, I think that even if you have a successful business right now, you should be looking to ensure that the decisions you're making going forward take into account the issues that are facing uh, the world right now. Uh, so. At, at, at this point, if you feel any type of tightening, it is time to sit down and make sure you understand your business and where your business goals are going. Great, thank you. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts, closing comments? You know, to to, to uh, follow on Tom's comments, bring in somebody who's done it. Um, don't, this isn't a time to, it's a time to learn but learn from, from somebody who's done it. And also bringing in a, bringing in a third party um, will, will give credibility to what you tell the outside world in the way you tell them. Um, let, somebody, let somebody else carry the burden of that. Um, and again, unprecedented times, not, not only in the United States, but worldwide. When you think of markets being affected, this is, this is um, um, unprecedented and, and, and very unnerving. And Cam, how about you? Closing comments. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to echo what they said uh, largely. Um, I think that it's important that businesses in this situation uh, take a close look at themselves. Like, Pat and like Tom said, whether it's uh, you're profitable and, and think things are going good, then simply sit down and take a look at the books and, and see maybe where you can be better. Uh, it might help you identify that. It might uh, confirm uh, what you thought was true, or you might identify that red flag issue that, that you can address now before it becomes a major problem. Um, and then secondly, that communication is key. Um, we've said that a lot today, um, but being able to be honest with yourself and with your advisors is helpful. I think bringing advisors in is also helpful, uh, picking up on Pat's last point. A lot of times companies have had uh, issues or strained relationships with this lender or, or this group, and that in and of itself might be uh, an issue. And so getting another voice who's not saying anything different, um, but just uh, another voice who's taken a look at the, the situation and can relay that in a different way uh, sometimes makes all the difference. So um, uh, that's what I have. And thanks very much for having me. Great. Thank you, Cam and Tom. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us from Foley and Mansfield today and bringing your perspective to this conversation. And Pat from Platinum Group, uh, thank you as well for all your perspective on this. There will be uh, phone numbers and contact information and slides that follow this uh, video. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. 
And uh, I hope everybody has a, a great day, a good rest of this year. And however you navigate, you uh, reach out to the experts you need to be able to not only survive, but thrive in 2021. Thanks.